This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. Well, let's get into the word of the Lord here tonight. Um, the Lord's been dealing with me with a few things, and um, tonight is no different. And um, so we're going to jump into Isaiah chapter number 41, and um, then we'll jump to Matthew 28, and then 1 Corinthians 12. That's, I'm dropping hints for Brother Raphael back there. And um, so Isaiah 41, and uh, who would like to read for me? Isaiah 41 and verse number 10. Somebody want to raise your hand and read that for us tonight, if you can say it real loud. All right, Jacob, real loud, read it. All right. I like that scripture that what we're going to take from this and Matthew 28 is uh, a phrase here. It says, for I am with thee. How many of you think the Lord's with you? Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 28 and very popular verse of scripture here. Um, and uh, I love this scripture. Um, let's, I'll, I'll just read from 16. And, but we're going to get to verse number 20 is what I want to draw from tonight. But for context, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love the word of God because there are certain things we gloss over. And let me just read verse 16. It says, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. It's important to do what the Lord tells you to do. Because if he tells you to go someplace, that means he's going to be there. Right? Um, he, he, will, he will be there. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And verse number 20, teaching them. Everybody say, teaching them. In other words, I have this in my Bible, I have it written there, is disciple them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I have this underlined in my Bible, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's a very important principle to know here tonight that when you live for the Lord, the Lord will be with you. He will be with you. The Bible says he, is, he draws nigh to us and wants to draw nigh to us. And um, he's as close as the mention of his name, a song says. And um, there's, a, there's a, a, certain, a certain thing that when we know without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is with us. Um, so I, I want you to think of that just for a moment. And I want to kind of take a, a, a side step here and we'll kind of come down to the principle uh, of discipleship in which I want to look at tonight. But um, there is heavy competition in society today. Um, competition in industry, competition on the sports floor or court. Um, many people look at their job as a competing job. 
um, that um, you may have got elevated in your job and other people are jealous of you being elevated on your job uh, because somebody else wanted that position. Um, there is competing things for a market share in the community or in, in, in jobs or in industry um, within organizations and uh, awards are given and recognition is given when we are um, uh, do a, have a job, be a job well done, let's say. Um, and that's really where we're conditioned. We're conditioned in a society to be uh, regarded and everything as competition. That the car that you drive is competing with the car that's sitting next to you. Um, I don't know who told me this, but um, that if you drive a car, you don't want to drive. I always want to park next to a car that's a lot better than mine. Because if that car is of more value, they won't want to hit my car on the way out of the parking lot. So I typically park my car next to somebody that's, I know that car is worth a lot more. Um, but if I park next to somebody that really doesn't care about their car, they're not going to care about mine. That's just me, okay? Um, so uh, you know, we, we, we measure success by attaining goods and materials and cars or houses or whatever the case may be. We, we measure ourselves one to another in areas and in ways that we really shouldn't do. And it's almost like a natural thing. Society says that uh, even if you see advertisements, it, it, it entice us with measuring ourselves against that, which makes us want to have something that we really don't need to, really don't need to have. Um, there's an op- entrepreneur and this one, let me just say this. I'm going to tell you this story. This is probably the first and the last time I'll ever use Purdue, Purdue University in a story, okay? I'm an IU fan, so um, I'll probably just have a disclaimer here that this will be the first and last time Purdue will come off across the pulpit. No. But there was a, an, uh, a researcher. Um, I think it was Frank Muir. Last name was Muir. He went to um, Purdue University. And he began to do a study. And the study was that he wanted to understand performance. Why do people perform um, in certain conditions? So he took um, some chickens. How many has ever raised chickens before? He had two batches of chickens and one batch of chickens uh, he had in this coop, if you will, and he had another batch of chickens in another coop. And what he decided to do is to figure out which chickens were the most best-performing chickens. And he kind of got them, all the super chickens, that's what he called them, the super chicks, and he pulled them out of one and put all the super chickens that were, that were excelling in one coop and then the rest of them in another. And he let six generations lap of this study. And after the six generations, he noticed something very peculiar happened, the difference between the two. The first, the ordinary chickens that were just ordinary, they weren't the super chickens. Uh, Every generation from the first to the sixth generation, they began to have more eggs grow. They had more eggs every generation than the one previous. They were all healthy. All of them had all their feathers. They were doing well. They were having a good cluck time. I don't know what what kind of time that would be, but they're having a good time. They're producing a lot of eggs. 
But then the other super chicks, the super chickens that were isolated uh, as a group, they, they were the best performing. They were the most, perhaps, more intelligent. They were, they were, they, they were, they were a very proud uh, group of chickens. And they, 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 were, they were the producers. And what they found over six generations of those chickens, only three were left. And they were missing most of their feathers. It's because they pecked each other to death. They killed one another. So MIT, how many ever heard of MIT, did a study based off of super chicks and regular chickens. Now, this is a very deep Bible study tonight, but I promise you we're getting somewhere. So that's off of chickens, but MIT did a study on humans, and they brought a bunch of group of different types of people together, and they separated them groups, and they gave them a very difficult task. And in that difficult task, they began to measure how fast each group would uh, perform this task. And, and there were some that excelled very quickly. And then there were others that it took them a long time to figure it out and a long time to, to go through the, 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 the experiment. And, and uh, it, it was very, so they, they began to study. They got all the information about these folks that are in these groups. And then they began to try to understand exactly what had happened. And what they found is that as some had expected and others not expected, some groups were much more successful than others. But the high achieving groups were not those with one or two members with extraordinary high, high IQs or even groups with the highest aggregate IQ. In fact, most of the groups, uh, the most successful groups were those that showed the highest degree of social sensitivity to one another. More specifically, members of the highest performing groups had high scores of empathy tests, and they were mostly women, which they didn't say that that was a key element, but they noticed that women have more apt to be more empathetic one to another. Um, and they gave each member of the group an equal time. They, the, 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 the successful groups, they gave each other equal time to listen to one another and understand one another and begin to hear what they had. And they valued everybody else's opinion in that group. And what they found is that the groups that actually talked to one another and the groups that actually uh, harmonized with one another and begin to relate, relate to one another and learn from one another, they were very successful in their tasks. But then you had the groups that, the people that knew it all, took a lot longer because everybody was right. Everybody had the right answer. And by the time you go down the road that everybody's right, it actually takes longer to get something done than if everybody just listens and values one another's opinion. These tests of the chickens and the groups that MIT, the super flock or the super chickens versus the ordinary chickens. And this group of the MIT, how does that play out in the real world and how does that relate to scripture? Well, it means that what happens between people really counts. We're going to get to some more scripture. Y'all just hang with me. We're not going to talk about chickens and MIT the whole time. It means that what happens between people matters. 
Because in groups that are highly attuned and sensitive to each other, ideas can flow and people can grow. Now listen to me now. Uh, it's, it's, we're going we're gonna to try to apply some things to the kingdom of God here or open our eyes to some things because the people that are um, highly attuned and they appreciate one another and they love one another and they are helpful to one another and consider one another are the groups that will grow the most, groups that succeed. In other words, people don't get stuck on their own idea and if nobody takes their idea, then y'all just go figure it out on your own. They don't waste energy down dead ends. Um, Miss Heffernan is a, is, a, is a psychologist and a, a social, a, a social, um, a social economic background. She says companies don't have ideas, only people do. And what motivates people are the bonds and loyalty and the trust they develop between each other. What matters is the mortar, not just the bricks. It is the thing that brings us together. And we are in the house of God. And the thing that has brought us together today is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus that binds us. It is his spirit that unites us. So if that's that one thing, that mortar of the presence of God that unites us and brings us together, how much more should I love my brother and love my sister? We should love one another and consider one another. One term this lady, Dr. Hefferman, said is called social capital. Now, uh, you know, some of this is, is business-minded things, and those are things we can learn from uh, things, but we need to learn from the Word of God more so than the things of this world. But I, I do understand what the Bible teaches us to love one another. Christ love the church. Um, in order to have this relationship built between one another, there's got to be an attitude towards the body that you are with. And I believe this is a great body of believers. I believe that this church is a great body of people and a great body of, uh, of understanding, a great body of love. But there are some things that we need to be better at and that we need to grow in. And I'm going to get to what I'm, I want to share here in just a few moments through some scriptures. But we got to cultivate a, a robust atmosphere of love towards one another. And when you have that, it brings unity. Somebody say amen. Can I get somebody to say unity? Teams that work together, people that work together for the common good, and our common good is Jesus Christ, and we work together for the common goal. We may not think the same on how a lot of times we get there. We have ideas through prayer, and, and we, but we do not cause somebody to, uh, we, don't, we don't push somebody out because that, 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 that word from God is too far away. It doesn't make any sense to me. What we got to have is mindful of one another. When somebody prays and they've heard from God, we need to say, I trust what you're saying. I may not see it like like you do, but I, I believe that you've heard from God and, and we're going to do our best to make things happen and be on the same page. I hope I'm making sense here. Teams that work together longer are more successful. Sometimes when, when, we, when we work together in the kingdom of God, it feels like it's not working right. But the longer we work together 
And the longer we keep that common thread, the most important thing, which is Jesus Christ, we will work together and we will be bonded together for eternity and we'll cultivate a working atmosphere for the kingdom of God. Um, Trust and relationships are developed when we work together in unity. One company decided to synchronize coffee, uh, coffee breaks so people could have time to talk to each other. And did you know that when they began to cultivate that, that spirit of unity within the business, the profits increased by $15 million, and employee satisfaction went up 10%. With work, working closer, close with one another, Conflict is inevitable. There's going to be conflict. However, this is not necessarily a bad thing. Conflict is not a bad thing. It should bring us together. It should not pull us apart. But conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. A disagreement. Conflict and problem solving are often the source of of the best ideas. So what does all this mean when it comes to the kingdom of God? What does this all mean? What are you talking about? Well, what I really want to say through all this is that the word that I felt like the Lord had shared with me is that we need to be more helpful. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I believe the Lord showed me something through this chapter. Um, and then I'm not saying we're not helpful. I'm not saying that we don't have a mind for one another. But I feel like the Lord has showed me something in the scripture um, to help us. And what we found, that study through MIT and through the Purdue University, Dr. Muir, when he talked about the chickens, it's, it's, there's a difference between the super chickens and the normal chickens. The normal chickens, they work together to produce a great harvest of eggs, if I could say it that way. But the super chickens, they were all about themselves. And they had it all figured out. They did not interview the chickens, but that's what they got from them. Now, if you speak to chickens, you can talk to me after church and we can go through that. Um, But 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 1, let's start there. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I would not have you be ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto the dumb idols, even um, as ye were led. For wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And it says, now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. Um, hope I can share this tonight the way... I feel like the Lord has, has given it to me. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. In other words, there are different diversities of gifts, but there's only one spirit. There are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord, Lord and spirit. We know who we're talking about there. And there are not, it's not the Lord and then the spirit over here. It's not this Lord and the spirit. The Lord and the spirit is the one same thing. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit through the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge 
by the same Spirit, to another, the, another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernments of the spirits, and to another diverse, diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self, self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. I'm going to stop here and, and kind of look through what, what, I, just, what I just read um, and say this. I think this is what the Lord has, has shared with me, is that today's, uh, well, excuse me, you may have a gift that God has given to you, and you may have identified what that gift is, something that is working in you. It's something that, that maybe you've even taken time to somebody sit with you and, and explore what those gifts are in your life. And you can operate and have that gift. How many know what your gifts are? Has ever done a gift, discernment, uh, prophecy, wisdom, whatever it is? Uh, God has, has given each one of us a gift. And, and, but if you have a gift and it is done in an unhelpful manner, it becomes toxic to the whole. If the gift that you are giving, and it, doesn't, and it stops being helpful to the body, then it becomes toxic. If we think of ourselves more highly than our neighbor, then we have gone astray out of our gift. If you feel like your gift is above every other gift and you think you've arrived more than anybody else and your talents are greater than anybody else's, then you may have that gift, but you are of a different spirit. Today's society is, is a competitive one, as, as we talked, and talk about who's the best, who has the best, and uh, who is the most blessed and highly favored. Or then you have the, 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 the flip side, is, uh, or who is the most meek or the most humble. Uh, some people have prideful humility. Um, some people say they're so humble that they have pride in their spirit. And what happens is if we are not helpful in our gifts, then we become a part of a different spirit rather than the spirit of God. Because the Bible says every gift comes from the same spirit. But we can step out of that spirit when our flesh takes over and we begin to operate in a way that's not healthy or helpful to the body. The key thing that I I looked at these these gifts, um, miracles, uh, the gifts of healing, prophecy, discernment, uh, diverse kinds of tongues, to the interpretation of tongues. Bible says in verse number 11, but all these worketh that one and self-same spirit. In other words, each gift will be helpful to another. So the word helpfulness is important in the spirit world and in the body of Christ and how we relate to one another. We are to be helpful to one another. Everybody say helpful. Verse number 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and hath made, hath, uh, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member. But many, um, I don't want to stop there yet. 
For if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. In other words, the hand and the foot needs to be helpful one to another. Right? Need to be helpful one to another. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The ear and the eye need to be helpful one to another. Need to be helpful, to be mindful of the other. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. How can be we be one body and have different types of gifts and different types of things? It's because the body, the Bible teaches us to have be in one mind and one accord. And how does all those things work? And the the word that comes out to me and screams at me is each gift and each person needs to be helpful. Serving one another. Helpful to one another. Verse number 22, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now, people who don't like help are typically not very helpful people. Um, I've said this, uh, and I have scripture uh, for this, but we, people, that, um, people that aren't good givers are typically are not good receivers. People that, uh, that don't like to get anything or somebody to, to receive something from somebody are typically not good givers either. It's because there is a, an element of not wanting to be helpful. You don't want to receive help, therefore you don't want to give help either. It's the helpfulness of one to another that when somebody uh, wants to give to me a good gift, I, I, I want to be helpful to the gift of giving, if I can say it that way. I had somebody today that wanted to, to, to give me a gift before service. Now, what kind of person would I be, and if God has told that person to, to give something to me, no matter what it was, give something to me, and I said, no, I don't want to, re- no, I don't want to receive that. And they said, well, God told me to give this to you. How helpful am I being to the, the gift that God has provided? I am not being a helpful uh, part of the body. And then uh, if I turn around and give something to somebody else and they, they refuse it, or they, but if they do receive it, then we are being helpful one to another. I am receiving a good gift from the body of Christ. People typically, maybe not in all cases, I don't want to just bring it all and just say everybody is this way, but people that don't like help, typically are not very helpful people. Um, so I asked myself, I wrote it down, the question, why? As most people in this scenario, it's because they got it. I got it under control. I, I, I'll take care of it. They don't need anything from anybody because they don't want to owe anybody anything. That's 
my mind thinking today. They, they don't want to they don't want to receive anything because they feel like they got to owe somebody. How many ever get in that trap of somebody taking you to lunch, and then when you go to lunch the next time, you feel like you got to take them by their dinner, and the next time you go, they, they think, well, i got to pay for it this time, and the next time you go, they're like, all right, whose turn is it to pay? How many get in that? You ever fall in that trap before? They trap, but I, I, there was a fellow minister that we, we, we met a couple weeks ago, and, and, um, uh, and, I, and we, we had that conundrum. I said, hey, uh, I'll take care of today's meal. He said, no, I took, you took care of it last time. He said, I invited you to come lunch, so I, I'm paying for it. I'm like, all right, I'll take a good gift from the Lord. You want to pay? God bless you. I'll let you pay. And we, we get in this mindset of, of, of competing one to another. But sometimes we just need to have, be, be a good receiver of good, good gifts. Not receiving help, no matter what it is, is not being helpful to the other gifts. What if the gift of prophecy came into your life and you said, no, I, I, I don't need that prophecy. I don't need that prophecy because we're not a good receiver and not receiving wanting that help of that prophetic word. Um, so what if that gift of prophecy didn't want help from the gift of wisdom? Or, or if the gift of love not wanting help from the gift of discerning of spirits? What if the, the gifts are not working in help and, 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 and if, uh, uh, in unity? It's not helping one another. What happens is, is you have a, a, a toxic environment of the spirits in the church. When helpfulness is not being used between the gifts or between people, we neglect one another and we are not of the same spirit. Now, I... Go back to Matthew chapter number 28, and let's look at verse number 20 again. Turn there with me again. 28, verse number 20. Now, we've used this scripture many times. Um, I've used this scripture many times and, and, and preached multiple messages out of this, starting to verse number uh, 18. Um, it says, all power is given unto me into heaven and earth. Go ye therefore... And teach or disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them or discipling them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I will be with you always. So where did the spirit of helpfulness come from? Uh, the scripture says, I, my help comes from the Lord. When the Lord says, I want to be with you always, he says, I want to help you always. Keep your finger there and go back to Isaiah 41. Look at that scripture again. Uh, Jacob read that. Jacob, you still got that, bud? Um, all right. He said he can get it again. Isaiah 41 and 10. Read it again. I, I parallel Isaiah 41 and 10 with 28 and 20 in Matthew. Because the Bible talking about discipleship, and the Lord says, you go and teach and observe the things which I command you, and I will be with you always. And Isaiah 41 says, do not fear because I am with you. Do not, be, do not anxiously look uh, about you. Uh, do not anxiously look about you. For I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. 
Surely I will uphold you with my right, my righteous right hand. Psalms 121 says this, he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Um, John chapter number 14, it says, I will ask the father and, and he will give unto, give you another helper and he will, and that he may be with you forever. And I, I begin to look at uh, the life of Jesus as a whole, just the context of, of the gospels, the context of the example that he, he shared. What did he come to be? He became to be a helper. You say, well, how, how was he a helper? Well, being a savior, does, is, that, is that not a helper? Saving people from their sin, he's helping them. He is reaching out to them. He come down to, to lift us up. He's, he's helping us. He's, he's allowing us to give us strength to be more than what we are in our own life. He wants to give us good gifts so that we can, he wants to help us in our walk. He wants to help us in our life. When he came as a savior, he died on a cross. He wanted to help our testimony, if you will, so he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost. He um, heals. He is helping us understand who he is. He is being a help unto us. Psalms 54 and 4 says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. So the Lord wants to help us. And the Lord says, I am going to be with you so that I may help you in a time of need. And this is what really got a hold of my spirit is that if we don't allow our brothers and sisters who we do see to help us, how in our spiritual mind will we, uh, we'll, we'll shut off God when, we, when he wants to help us? It's, we, we turn people away. We, we shut down help and, and we'll isolate ourselves and we won't want to collaborate. That's a, that's, a, that's a word that was coming along in my mind when I began to, begin to study and begin to think of things that uh, uh, in, in, in a group or in a, in a time of ministry and bring in unity. Unity comes when we learn from one another. We understand one another. We, 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 we help one another. We reach out and we love one another and we consider one another and we consider one another and we help one another because we have love towards one another. And what we do when we isolate ourselves, what we're telling everybody is that I don't really need your influence. I don't want what you say. I don't need that. You are isolating yourself from help. One of the things that, um, and I may be failing at this, and, and um, I'm trying to allow the Lord to help me with this, is to foster an atmosphere within the body of believers that every person matters. You matter. Every uh, chicken matters. I, I begin to think of this, think of the body of Christ, and we don't, I, forgive me for saying it this way, but we don't have any super chickens. We don't have any super chickens here. And we can work together to provide a great harvest in the kingdom of God. But we got to come into one mind and one accord and be unified in spirit and in body and learn to help one another. 
And that means, I'm not talking about buying somebody lunch. I'm talking about praying for one another. Reaching over to one another and say, I love you. And sometimes I feel like when you pray for somebody, you're like, okay, what's their agenda? What? They're just trying to get my attention. They're just, what, what's going on here? And, and people try to uh, suck the life right out of your prayer. And all we're trying to do is be helpful. Um, one thing that I learned, my wife was going to uh, University of Phoenix. And, and when she was going to University of Phoenix, uh, finishing her bachelor's degree, um, I think that's right, yeah, bachelor's degree, um, one of her classes, and most of her classes, were classes where you had to be a part of a small group. And I remember her stressing out on Sunday at midnight because there would be a paper due, and you had to rely on all these people across the country. Uh, they had to do their part. Somebody had to write the opening. Somebody had to write the body. Somebody had to write a conclusion. Then somebody would put the paper all together. And my wife took on the responsibility most of the time to put the paper together if I remember right, and it's because she wanted to make sure there was a good paper before they turned it in. But we found, and I, it was very interesting that most people didn't give her their part of the paper until like 11 o'clock that night. And, and then she would have to scramble for the last 15, 30 minutes before midnight to turn the paper in to try to put something together that sounded good for the professor. And what I had learned, and I, I think of those situations, is they weren't really considering one another. They, don't consider, they weren't helpful one to another. And uh, considering, uh, allowing people to, to be, be think or be uh, helpful in the way that, that they considered the other person and what they had to do to accomplish the task at hand. In this world that we live in, um, Everybody's out for themselves so they can have the highlight and the, and the light upon them. And everybody wants to have um, the trophy at the end. And everybody, you know, wants the limelight and the glory for everything. Um, but it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Jesus gets all the glory, you know. Um, you know, we, we, we don't, we're not around here to... Um, to give limelight to every little thing. And yeah, we give honor where honor is due in certain capacities and certain things. And, and, but it's really all that needs to be returned back to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I'm, a, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Let's go back to verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And um, one thing that it, I, I appreciate, Elder Haywood and I were talking uh, a while back ago, and um, he has mentioned this to me a couple times. And he said, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, what should what brings us together is Jesus Christ. We may have different backgrounds, and people in this room come from across the nation and different places, different backgrounds, but the one thing should bring us together is Jesus Christ, and that should bring us together firmly. 
no matter what race, no creed, no nation, no matter where you're from, Jesus Christ should be the firm foundation. That love for God and the love for one another should be the glue that holds us all together. So if we are of that one mind and that one spirit and Christ is the father of us all and is in us all, we should value one another in enough in, 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 in a way that we would be want to be helpful to one another, to honor one another. Um, helpfulness is the key or the glue that holds the gifts together. It is the glue that, 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 uh, that hood should, should bring us all together. No matter what avenue or no matter what uh, ministry that we're a part of, no matter what uh, we're doing, whether it's on the praise team or it's in a Sunday school class, whether it's uh, the greeting the people as they come in. Um, I felt awful tonight. I got here at about 5, no, 4.40, about quarter till 5 tonight. And I walked in this building, and it was 61 degrees in here. And I kicked myself because I should, on Wednesdays, I always tell my wife, I go by the church on Wednesdays during the day just to make sure it's not too hot or not too cold. But today, I forgot. And I came in, and the heat was off completely in the building. Probably the owner trying to save money. I don't know. And so I walked in here, and I was like, thank God I got here at 445 because... I won't, don't want the body to be hot nor cold. That's kind of lukewarm. I want you all to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable when you walk in here. Um, but it was cold. It was very, very cold in the building. And, and, and I was like, you know, that's why I need to be here, especially during the winter months or even in the hot months, to make sure it's comfortable in this, in this place. And, and, I, and then I walked in the front door, and there was ice under the awning out here and I'm thinking it would be very helpful of me if I would have got here like I was supposed to have been here and I'd have cleared some of that ice off the porch because I don't want anybody falling in the parking lot I don't want anybody uh taking a uh, spraining an ankle around here or falling down it's about being helpful to one another What's that? Or, or breaking your wrist around here it's being helpful, considering one another. It's, 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 it's helping the body of Christ with the simple things and with the great things. We don't exercise gifts to elevate ourselves. We exercise gifts to elevate Jesus Christ and be helpful to the body. That's the lesson in a nutshell. Let's stand together. Hope I've helped somebody tonight. Here's a scripture that, in closing, I believe would be appropriate. First Peter chapter number five it says, "Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety or care upon Him, because He what? He wants to be helpful to you. He cares for you. Now, I have never really studied the scripture with the word help or helpfulness throughout scripture, but." The Lord wants to help you. I said, the Lord wants to help you. The body of Christ wants to help you. I, I want to help you. Sometimes I'll help you by saying no. 
Sometimes that's exactly what we need. But we, wanna, we need to be a body of Christ that wants to help one another, to, to, to support one another. This is not deep wisdom here tonight, but I, I think it's something that we need to attain when we look at one another and how we approach one another in the body of Christ to be helpful. We're not here to tear people down. We're not to here to push somebody in the corner. We're not here to, to cast, uh, cast light on all the, the, the things that you've done wrong. We're not here to do that. We're here to help one another be what God wants us to be and grow in his presence. They say amen. Many other scriptures here that I won't, I won't get into here tonight. Um, Luke 10, James 2, Ephesians 5. Um, let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we love you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.